I would invite you to uh, open your Bibles, if you will, over to Luke chapter 11. And I realize um, it's always been this way. It was this way 2,000 years ago. Um, God knows this. He knows exactly how we are, uh, how we think, what's in our minds and on our hearts. I realize the concept of the kingdom, the kingdom within us. I know that's... uh, I know that's a hard thing. The kingdom within. But this little section of scripture I want to look at tonight, uh, I think I think there's sometimes maybe we wrestle with this. And Luke 17, 20, I keep pointing that out because Jesus just says it. And and the Pharisees are watching with their eyes. To, to see the kingdom taking place. For them, politics and religion are all the same thing. And they intend to see God's Messiah set on a political throne and see him reign and rule and see their political and national enemies defeated. And that's not what the kingdom is. But it's, it's a difficult thing for us sometimes because even though we're not nationalistic-minded Jews, we struggle with this. We deal more easily with what is seen. Well, what is seen is important. Look around. Can't you see people in this auditorium worshiping God? Yeah. Can you see Todd up here leading, singing? Trevor taking us into the throne room. Clay taking us into the throne room. Can can you see that? You can see that. And each of those elements, each of those things I just talked about, the worship, the song leading, the praying, Those are external things that you could see, you could count how many people led singing, how many songs we saved, how many prayers. You can count that, you can measure that. But this is where that comes from. This is where that comes from. Because the song we just sang is either true or it's not. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. What on earth could he mean? I think we understand what he means. I no longer live, but Christ Jesus, Christ, the anointed one, lives in me. This is Galatians 2.21. Is this not exactly what he's talking about right here in Luke 17? 
Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Christ dwelling within his people is, is the opportunity for his reign and his rule. Christ can live in us, brothers and sisters, and we could reject it and not believe it, that he lives in us. I've known brothers who never did believe that. I don't know what to do with that. God will do the right thing with it one day. I don't know. I'm just telling us what the book said. The book did too say that. I think we get hung up on, well, well, where does he live? In my elbow and my knee and my, what are we talking about? I can tell you right now, it's over my head, but I can tell you just as sure as the Bible states this, that it's not without result and it's not without purpose. Anything God says or does, there's purpose to it. There's purpose to it. What the kingdom is not, what the kingdom within us is not, the kingdom is not us trying to overcome evil on our own. That's not the kingdom. That's just human effort, and that depends on what kind of mood you're in and what kind of day you've had. That's not kingdom. Kingdom kingdom is the process of the king being within. Tonight we're going to look at a text, and those, those looking for the kingdom... They, they just knew if you asked them, if you asked them, what are you waiting on and who are you looking for? They are looking for the Christ. They are longing for the Christ. This is what they do. This is what they do. This is what they talk about. What they're, what they're wanting to see is the kingdom of God. They're wanting to see that. They want to see it happen. Jesus is trying to get them ready for it to happen. Because it's coming. We're going to come down here to verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, he's talking to them about the kingdom within them and then some other stuff that we'll get to next week. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee, invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing Jesus did not first wash before the meal, the Pharisee was surprised. Jesus didn't go through any ceremonial washing to to rid himself of the defilement of the sin all around him. He didn't do that. I kind of find it hard to figure Jesus didn't do something on purpose. But he didn't do it, and the Pharisees upset. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, and then he switches right here so you know he's not really talking about cups and dishes. 
You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, just like you were wanting me to wash the outside of my hands. He said, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees. That woe is not a, that, that, that is a God's wrath be unto you kind of a word. That, that's, that's a very alarming word. That's a very, that's a very sobering word. That's a better thought. That's a very sobering word to a Jew. Woe to you, Pharisees. Because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other garden, kinds of garden herbs. Woe to them because they do what God told them to do. God told them to do that. He said, woe to you because you do that. Woe to you because you do what God said. No, that's not all there is. Woe to you because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and other uh, kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So what's he telling them? The kingdom within... The purpose of the kingdom is to fix the inside. It's not the outside. Jesus said it's not, what's on, it's not what's outside of a man that comes into him that makes him unclean. That's just going into your stomach. He said the problem is what comes out of a man because that's coming out of his heart. He said, woe to you Pharisees because... You love the most important place, the most important seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which men walk over without knowing it. A grave is the contact with the dead and that leaves you unclean and it's like you're this, you're this living expression of death and you're just contaminating everything and everybody. No, this is, this is what, that's why he said, that's why I said what I said this morning. I'm just saying what Jesus said. You don't play around with a kingdom. If the kingdom for you is just, I'm going to do enough of God's stuff, then we got to do something else for God. I mean, do you, I mean that, that's not the kingdom. That's not kingdom talk. We're not, we're not playing around with some mint, rue, and cumin. We're not playing around with some outside visible details of, of what God tells us. We, we are intent on God to have his way within us. That is our intent because that's God's intent. That's the kingdom's intent. One of the experts in the law, not a Pharisee, just an expert in the law, he answered him, Teacher, and when you say these things, you insult us also. 
Jesus replied, and you, experts in the law, woe to you. Glad you brought it up. Woe to you because you load down people with burdens they can hardly bear. They take the word of God and and the details of obedience to God and they load those up on people and they create some burden that people cannot bear. That's the direct opposite of Jesus, isn't it? Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm lowly and gentle and humble in heart. This is the opposite of what the experts in the law were doing. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your forefathers who killed them. You're making this big outward show. Oh, here's the prophets. Well, what are they doing dead in the tomb? Oh, well, my granddaddy killed him. They weren't. Your great, great granddaddy that killed the prophet wasn't listening to him. Guess what? God's not interested in you monumentalizing graves of the prophets. He was interested in you hearing the message of them. He was interested in them taking to heart what the prophets were preaching, not just reducing it to some outward rules that they could obey and make themselves appear better than everybody. That's not it at all. Woe to you, because you built tomb for the prophets, and it was your forefathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. He said, it's like you're bragging on them killing the prophets. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God is, in his wisdom has said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed from the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel, when Cain didn't want to listen to God's instruction and worship him by faith, he just got jealous and killed his brother, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. He just laid out their entire Jewish history and, and kind of surmised their continual rejection of God's message. What's that got to do with the kingdom? That's the key to the kingdom within us. We are in a continual mode of submitting ourselves to the truth that he gives us. Not just to the commands that he gives us, but to the truth that he gives us. What are we supposed to do with Genesis 1? What are we supposed to obey out of Genesis chapter 1? Is there a bunch of commands for us in Genesis chapter 1? Mm-mm. Everything to do with the kingdom has everything to do with the kingdom. Because in the beginning was the word 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. That's Jesus working in Genesis chapter 1. What's the key to the kingdom? The key to the kingdom being effective and productive. What's the key to us submitting ourselves to the king? What, what's the key to him reigning and ruling in our lives is us giving him credit for who he is. If he's the guy who can face absolutely nothing in creation, there is nothing, stingent darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I just a day or two ago was listening to this guy who used to be an atheist. And he had spent like, he had this like 30 year journey where he'd been rejecting God and trying to overcome all kinds of addictions and everything. And you know, at the end of that, with him trying harder and trying harder and trying harder, and he said, I was listening to a preacher talk about Genesis 1. And he said, I finally heard it and it just broke me. And I thought, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? That, that, that's what God's been trying, that's what the Bible's trying to tell me? That the creator of the universe has a vested interest in me. He said, it broke me right there. He said, my life's never been the same again. I don't know, I don't know anything else about the faith of the guy. Don't know and it doesn't matter. To me, I mean, I can't help. If I ever get a chance to talk to the guy, we'll do whatever we can. I'm just saying Genesis 1 is powerful when we read it from a kingdom standpoint. Because Jesus is God. And he is king big time. And when I reduce, when I reduce to the kingdom of God within me, to me trying harder to be good, that, that, that ain't the kingdom. The kingdom is Jesus, the son, the king, who is God almighty in the flesh. That is him dwelling within us by his spirit and him working God's purpose in our lives, teaching us, transforming us, changing our thinking, changing our mind, changing our will. It is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to his purpose. It is the God in us, the God who created everything, who gave life to everything that has life. It is that God who is so, so superior and so far in authority and power above wickedness and evil. It is God within us. It is the kingdom within us that, that pushes evil aside and shuts it up and stops it and rids us of it. And it's our willingness to submit to that power and authority that brings that about in our, in our own life. Now, I've been wrestling with that for about 30 years. If you catch it right off the bat, praise God. Everything I've said is true, and the sermon be two hours long if I give you a verse for every bit of it. I'm just asking us to think in those regards. Just consider that. Just consider that. 
Because we can do what the Pharisees were doing is they took the commands of God and then they turned it in almost to a contest where they achieved what God said and they took credit for it. Paul said, I used to do that and I wore a big badge because I was perfect at it. That's what he said in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I gave all that up because it doesn't work. It's not the kingdom and it wasn't about the king. Chapter 3, verse 7 of Philippians, he said, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That phrase has king written all over it. For whose sake I have lost all things. Greatest thing Paul ever did is lose everything for the sake of Christ. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. I've been crucified with Christ nevertheless. This, these things, same thing again. That I may, I may gain Christ, the king within me, and be found in him. I want to be found in the king and I want the king to be in me. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, literally, comes from law, comes, comes from law keeping. I don't, want, I don't want to try to accomplish some righteousness on my own. He said, I did that, it doesn't work. But that, that righteousness, which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is literally depends on or based on is by faith. That righteousness, that righteousness, the righteousness of God that has been granted to me in the kingdom, the righteousness of the king himself that is imparted to us, this is what we're dealing with, with the righteousness in order that grace might reign through righteousness, Romans 5 would say. That is the reign of the kingdom within us is the reign of God's righteousness within us. It's not us seeking to accomplish. You can't accomplish the kingdom. You can't accomplish the kingdom. And the devil will spend your entire life trying to get you to do so. And you can't accomplish the kingdom any more than you could accomplish righteousness. Jesus accomplished righteousness. Jesus is the king. And the whole point of the kingdom is for that righteousness and that power and that authority to come and dwell within us to rid us, to overcome evil in our lives, to, to overcome us. Randy's right. He, to keep me humble, points me out on a regular basis. I'm my own worst enemy. Well, I, don't, I can't find an argument against it. So I've got a chance to overcome myself. I can't overcome myself any more than I can lift myself up. If y'all put a stool up here and I sit down on it and then I can reach under the stool and lift myself about three feet off the ground, then I could accomplish something. And until I could do that, I can't, I can't help myself. 
But what I can do is seek the kingdom. I can seek his reign and his rule. I can seek his righteousness in my life. And that's transforming. And that's redemptive. That's God's exact purpose for us. And it gives God all the credit and brings us the blessing. Verse 52, he said, Woe to you experts in the law because you have taken away the key to knowledge. Paul said, I want to know Christ. Christ is the king. I want to know the king. I don't want to just know about the king. I do want to know about him. I want to know him. I want to trust him. I want to submit myself to him. I want to be changed by him. I don't want to give God just the external. I want to give God me. That's what God wanted from ancient Israel. He wanted them. That's what he wants for us. I will be their God. They will be my people. That's God's agreement. That's God's desire. God's desire is not for you to do a bunch of stuff with mint, rue, and cumin or whatever the modern day expression of that is. God's desire is to have us. It is for our good that he wants us. He longs. He longs for us. Longs for us. Not so he can boss us around, so he can save our souls and use, and use our salvation and our redemption to impact others, not to impede them. The law of Moses should have been a great impact worldwide, but the way the, the Pharisees perverted it, God said, you've taken away the key. The, the, the law could have helped you know me and helped you know my mercy and my, my desire not to be separated from you, but to be close to you. It's why I gave you the priesthood. It's why I gave you the sacrifices. It's why I gave you the altar. It's why I gave you the temple worship. It's why I told you the story about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about Joseph, about Mo. It's why I gave you all these things was to draw you to myself so that you might be blessed, that you might be redeemed that you might be saved. And Jesus wept in Matthew 23 and said, but you would have none of it. You took God's house away from him and you made it your house. So here it is. It's left to you desolate. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to not enter the kingdom. We don't want to not be in, in search of the kingdom. And I don't mean that we don't have it or that we don't find it. It's, it's we seek first the kingdom. We seek it continually. We're asking and seeking and knocking. And, and on any given day, 
Maybe you're not asking enough, seeking enough, or knocking enough. Just keep asking and seeking and knocking. We're not trying to ask and seek and knock enough. We're trying to ask and seek and knock for the kingdom. And we'll just let God sort that out, how powerful that is, how many, how many people that impacts and touches, and what he does with the fruit of that in our lives. We just seek connection with him. We seek to know him. We seek to be submissive to him. We seek to be changed by him. We seek to be redeemed by him. We seek him because in seeking him, then we find our purpose. Then we find our purpose. In seeking him, by the way, we also find our value. All the people in the world bragging about how great they are. God help their hearts. You know all they're trying to do? Put value on their self. God said, you really interested in your value? Here it is. With a nail in each of his hands and one through his feet. That's your value to God because that's the price he paid. That wasn't the end of it. He raised him from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he is reigning and ruling as king right now. So I'm offering to us tonight, sometimes the scriptures are pretty plain and simple. I think we understand real, we understand a whole lot about the Pharisees. They, they were interested in what's external. You know, that's one of the biggest gripes that the world has about Christians. They're so fake. We're not fake, brother and sister. We're not fake. We're in love. We're redeemed. That's the truth. And we're asking and seeking and knocking to understand it better so that we can articulate it to other people in terms they understand. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We thank you for telling us the truth, Father. Each of us is a flesh and blood person. And until we're done with this flesh, Father, and you have redeemed us body, soul, and spirit, which you will when Jesus comes back, you are faithful and you will do it. You've said as much, and we trust it. But until then, Father, we will battle our own flesh. And our flesh takes great pride in what is seen. But we know the truth, Father. That if we give to you and offer up to your purpose the inside of the cup, the inside of our cup, the inside of us, that the outside, Father, will be given to your purpose as well. Help us to remember, Father, it is a spiritual battle that we fight. Help us to put our trust in the one who has conquered and the one who is victorious over sin and death and the evil of every sort. It is Christ, our King. And we can too trust him. We can too depend on him. We can too, Father, submit our lives to him. 
Help us, Father, to ask and seek and knock for his kingdom in our lives. Help us to ask and seek and knock, Father, for that to bear fruit in our lives. Fruit that encourages one another and fruit, Father, that impacts a lost world around us. People, people, Father, are looking in every direction for something that's real and something that's genuine. And here it is, Father, within us. The kingdom of Christ within us. Bless our efforts, Father, to know you, to know our King. And to live, Father, your purpose out in this place here. Bless us, Father, in that, that we might understand it better, that we might know it better, that we might be able, Father, to articulate it to people in terms that they can understand. As they sure do want the hope that we have. And they long, Father, for the peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for every blessing of the kingdom that you give us in Jesus Christ. We praise you, Father, for working your purpose in our lives. Bless us in any way, Father, as your people that will glorify you for all that you have done. It's through Christ Jesus who died for us, who intercedes in heaven itself right now on our behalf that we pray these things. Amen. God cannot love you more than he does. Pay the price of his own son. That's what the kingdom cost God. The blood of his own son. It costs you. Deny yourself and follow him. If we can help you tonight, deny yourself and follow him in any way. Won't you let us know now while we stand, while we sing. What do you do?